What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 126 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on this Sunday evening. I, I usually say fine Sunday evening, but not, not today for obvious reasons. And uh, Eric Cole joining me this week on the podcast. What's up, man? What's up, man? Hi, everybody. We're going to be talking brave stuff. Yeah. You remember the last like three, four weeks when people have been accusing us of being super positive? Probably not today after a four-game sweep at the hands of the Rockies. So let's just start yeah, there. Yeah, my 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 timeline's a lot of I'm dead inside type stuff. So yeah, it's been a nice uh, roller coaster ride. Uh, you know, before and we're obviously we'll talk about the Rockies series here in a second. But before that, the Braves had won five in a row. Uh, they had won they had won six of seven. They were on their way to what looked like it was going to be an awesome homestand. You know, basically just you know get one or two of these games against the Rockies and keep the momentum going. And then of course they. Uh, blew two massive uh, leads in the bullpen uh, over the course of a four-game series. Easily could have won today as well. So uh, a pretty painful um, set of losses, especially you know Friday and Saturday, I will say, because of the bullpen. Saturday, especially two outs in the ninth, up three runs, is about as bad as it gets. So what was your uh, big takeaway from the weekend other than just the fact that it couldn't get any worse pretty much? Yeah, I mean, there were kind of <laughs> it, – it was kind of – if, ever, if something could go wrong, it did go wrong. You know, Dansby had an error that kind of led to some runs in one of those bullpen meltdowns. And then the other one, you, you have Minter on the mound. And, you know, most of the time, you're, that's pretty much going to be, if you have a three-runner lead, you know, that's it's about as good as our bullpen is going to get. And, you know, to see them to give up the lead and then, you know, then in extras to, you know, give up a couple runs and end up losing that game too. I mean, that stinks. Uh, I still feel okay, though, if I'm just being honest. I mean, that, the Rockies team's pretty good. And before that, the Braves had played against some like some pretty good teams really well, and it's overall. I mean, yeah, obviously it doesn't feel great, but at the same time, like you know, I'd feel a little worse if I thought the Phillies were playing any well. <laughs> I mean, and they're like struggling with them; they're having their hands full of the Mets of all teams. So, you know, does it feel great? No, but at the same time, you know, there's there are there are positives. Takeaway being Fulty was really good in his start, and you know, me and Ronald Acuna is still hitting now his mind, and I know we'll talk about that a little bit later. And there's there some we have some players playing well, so. Obviously, getting swept in a four-game series is not what you want to have happen, especially at home. But at the same time, you know, I'm not. I guess I'm not too low about it because ultimately, you know, the, the Rockies are a pretty good team, and I think I'm pretty sure they have like the best record in Major League Baseball since June. So, you know, it, again, doesn't feel great, but at the same time, you know, I'm, it's not something I'm super low about. It's more it kind of stinks because if they had, you know, won those two games you know, instead of you know being in a virtual tie with Philly right now, we'd you know have a couple games up on them, and you know we'd be you know kind of, you know, heading into the stretch run in much better shape. Yeah, the Rockies are having one of those seasons where everything goes right. Like, they have a pretty uh, pretty bad run differential, and yet they just continue to win all these weird games. You know, they won at least two of the ones over the weekend in weird fashion. They're playing uh, very, very well. Uh, you mentioned the Phillies, we should say. We're recording this about 8.30 uh, on Sunday night. At the moment, the Phillies are down 6 nothing to the Mets. Um, so if the Phillies lose that game, the Braves will be in first place, despite all of the... Uh, uh, you know, sort of death over the weekend. So even if uh, Philadelphia comes back and takes like a crazy uh, victory away from the Mets here, the Braves will only be down a half game. So things could be worse uh, with some help there from the Phillies because they've been pretty bad as well, as you mentioned, against the Mets. So, you know, it could be worse. Obviously, you know, the four-game sweep doesn't leave anybody with uh, you know with uh, positive feelings, obviously, just because uh, mostly because of the way it happened. I, it's almost be better if they had gotten mold in those four games. Yeah. Like it's almost like, you know, the two games they just, you know, really let get away and then Sunday again like it was winnable so uh, it almost feels worse as a result of that but it's important to keep context something that I've always kind of tried to do on the pod is uh, 
keep things a little higher when they're really low and a little bit lower when they're really high. Um, I've been, you know, I'll, that, that kind of makes you uh, an easy target um, to be uh, called like a hater or all that fun stuff when things are going really well. But, you know, at, at times when things are not going well, I think you and I are probably going to be a little bit higher just because we just bring things back to the mean a little bit. So uh, it could be worse. You know, the Rockies are a pretty good baseball team and the Braves are still in really good shape. In fact, you know, all the systems still like the Braves make the playoffs. It isn't quite as rosy as it was four days ago. But, um, you know, Philly's not playing well really helps. And the Nationals are basically DOA at this point. So uh, that's that, that, that's, that that's wild to me about how bad they've been. I mean, they're uh, below but... 500 on August 19th. That's uh, pretty much inconceivable, frankly, because it's not like they've had I mean, they've had their they've had some issues. But if you told me the Nationals would be under 500 in you know, mid to late August, I would have said, you know, Scherzer got hurt or Harper got hurt or something. And that really hasn't happened. They, they've, been, they've had most of their guys most of the season and they've just been a disaster. It's kind of, you know, you don't want to make too much light of it. It's, it's definitely fun uh, if you're a Braves fan, I'm sure, to poke fun at the Nationals. But it's just kind of wild, honestly, to see how bad they've been because it's been pretty, pretty stunning, which is, you know, all that to say it helps the Braves because, you know, they still have the wild card chance. If they somehow don't, you know, if they can't hold on and beat the beat the Phillies in the division, the Nats just kind of going away altogether takes the team out of the wild card race, and the Braves have a pretty decent shot of sneaking in anyway. Even if, even if, if for some reason you know, Philly gets scalding hot here, there's another out that the Braves might, might, not, might not have had if uh, Washington was playing well. Yeah, uh, and I my, I feel pretty strongly right now, and I've, I've said this before. I just don't like Philly's offense for a stretch run. Like yeah, it, it doesn't feel like like they're, obviously their pitching is very good, but they're, like they're gonna have to win like a ton of three to two games to go on a really hot streak. And I mean, it's possible that they'll have like you know like a three or four game winning streak where you know everyone in that rotation is like pitching really well. But I mean, that offense doesn't scare me at all. So no. I don't know. I just I just don't see them. I just don't see them sustaining it. I just think I think the Braves will have to really punt this. To lose the division at this point, uh, which is a good feeling, but and I don't and I don't think they'll do that. Uh, I mean, obviously this, this this particular series was bad was bad, but you know there was a lot of things to like, you know, kind of going into it, and it's kind of some fluky things cost them a couple wins. Whereas you know it, it'd be worse if like this, you felt like the offense wasn't doing anything or like no one in the rotation was doing anything. You know what I mean? It's just kind of it, some fluky things happened that didn't go their way. Um, you know, I mean, even like Freddie, like hit, hit, hitting a ball that like probably would have been a home yeah. run for him any other day, and it hit off the yellow t- tape. And the day before, the same thing happened to Acuna. Like it's just kind of like, okay, <laughs> sure. One of those, uh, yeah, one of those weekends, even if it was at home and all that fun stuff. So I mean, we could probably talk about those uh, four losses. For an entire podcast, and uh, if this was a more of a daily show, we probably would do that. But uh, for now, we'll go big, back to our more big picture stuff. But yeah, I think you and I, judging by this conversation, are still fairly confident in uh, where the team stands. If they go out and land egg this week, it might get uglier. But at the right. same time, like you know, a four game stretch here doesn't murder you. And that you know, they, they go to they go to Pittsburgh now. Pittsburgh is a team that doesn't necessarily scare you to death, but at the same time, they're someone who's uh, that, that's a team that's capable of beating you up a little bit if you don't take them seriously. Followed by Miami, so you know Miami's been a team that everyone's beating up on. At the same time, that can't be just taken for granted. It's on the road, and uh, as for as bad as the uh, Marlins were early in the week, we'll talk about that right now. Um, you know they need to take out. It'd be definitely wise for the Braves to go out and take care of business here, win five out of seven, something like that this week because the schedule. It's hit and miss the rest of the way, but uh, it's a you know for instance after that they have uh, Tampa Bay for two and then the Cubs with a one game series at the end of August, which is always fun. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. This is a big week all of a sudden. It definitely is. I mean, I I kind of last time I said you know this next these next seven games were going to be like really important and it kind of it they were. It just ended up that the you know the Braves went on a hot streak then the Phillies kind of cooled off a little bit, but the Phillies regained some ground. So you know it's kind of. It could have been. It could have gone a lot better, but at the same time, like 
the, the Braves have the schedule to close this thing out. Uh, they can still have some hiccups here and there because, again, I just don't have any confidence in the Phillies. But at the same time, like it's this is still a puntable thing. So oh, I'm yeah. kind of cautious, cautiously optimistic is where I am. That's a good place to be, I think. All right, let's talk about the uh, some of the fireworks this week. We'll start on the on the more positive side with Tukey. Uh, this feels like a long yes. time ago now because we talked about this last Sunday night. Uh, Garav and I talked about Tukey. We knew it was going to start. Uh, of course, that was the first game. It was Monday afternoon, so it's almost a full week ago now. But he was flat-out nasty in the debut. Um, was, uh, of course, option right back down to Gwinnett. But it looks like he's going to be coming back potentially this week for another start. Uh, what did you see from Tukey? I, I candidly did not see it live and said that on the pod last week that I was not going to be able to see it live. But I went back and watched it. Uh, he looked great to me. Of course, it's one start, but uh, there is clearly no doubt about his actual tools because they are flat out nasty. Yeah, I mean, fastball was you know he he had a little trouble commanding it at times, but overall that was really good. And he, he he was changing speeds and you know working both sides of the plate, throwing strikes. Curveball looked good. I've honestly seen the curveball look better, which is more of a yeah. <laughs> well more of a hat tip more of a hat tip to how good his curveball can be. Uh, RPMs on that was like 2400 to 2600, which is actually right around league average. But you know he does he gets some sort of he gets action on it where he can you know make it dives out of the zone and he made some guys look foolish. Um, you know he didn't have like that 12 strikeout game that he's really capable of, but like the, he just didn't seem like they like they had any beat on him whatsoever and they could they they looked kind of pretty helpless and you know he th- threw you know high 80s pitches you know because it was on a hot day and you know came out of the game and that that was that he. he did really well. So, I mean, overall, obviously very happy. Uh, he's made a lot of strides this year. Uh, the changeup is kind of the biggest thing for him, uh, having one that's actually more than just kind of a I have one type pitch. Uh, he uh, can he gets outs with it. And, you know, you have to respect all his whole arsenal because all of his pitches can really do some damage and he gets can get really good action on him. So really happy he's hopefully coming back. Uh, I, I think that there, he's certainly better than some options that have been getting run out there. Uh, on, a, on the regular and you know I, I think he's ended up he's he's earned his spot he's worked really hard at it and he's looked really good this year in the minors and you know we're just kind of getting a taste of it yeah I mean I think there's a reason we've been talking about him as sort of the x-factor guy potentially coming in because of the stuff plays up there are the guys who are you know who have been ahead of him in the pecking order because they're older or have been up for a longer time in triple a all that fun stuff but his uh his stuff kind of just speaks for itself uh, I'll be interested to see how they handle him. We got a lot of questions this week about how the Braves might handle him in the moving forward. Of course, we can't know that. But if I ask you what you think about his role moving forward, is like you know, if this team's in the playoffs, is he going to be in a rotation? Like, what do you see from? Him? I know I'll acknowledge that we're definitely guessing a little bit here, but what do you see if this team you know is able to make the postseason? Is he going to be in a playoff rotation or in the bullpen, or how do you see that working out? I maintain that it. An ideal rotation does not, at this point in time, does not include Julio Tehran in it, uh, and it would include. Tuki's also kind of rapidly approaching like a career high in innings and you know all that stuff. So I don't think it'd be a crazy notion to have him just in the postseason bullpen, on the postseason roster. Uh, and I think the most likely option is that he's kind of in the bullpen, and you know either someone gets hurt or like you know really kind of struggles in the in the postseason, then maybe he takes a rotation spot, but. You know, as of right now, my guess is in the bullpen. Uh, Maybe in terms the, of the, uh, fireman role, something like that, like where he's he's coming in and just kind of bailing people out. Yeah, like, like made multiple like he, innings, and you know, yeah, he's like he's Lance McCullers. That's what that's yep. And that that, that would be that, that, and people already speculate on him having that role anyway, and that would be he would he would he would excel in that because he can just come in and just give like six innings of relief, <laughs> and and then he keeps you in the game. Yeah, he's going to be. I mean, I think his stuff would even be nastier in that role. It's kind of hard to think about how crazy that is. Oh yeah, By he. Way, he 
You can touch ninety eight, ninety nine. So like, yeah, I mean, he, it's going to be filthy. We talked. We, we've kind of been dreaming about that role for th- for three, four months now, but it really could happen with the way that he looked there and the way the situation works out with the bullpen. Uh, before people get mad about Julio, I, I know he's been good the last two starts, uh, numbers wise. You know, he's allowed three runs total in sixteen. I mean, sorry, thirteen innings the last two starts. I thought he did look a little bit better this week in uh, in the loss to Colorado, but I thought you know I thought he actually looked pretty decent by his standards, other than a couple mm-hmm. of shaky times. But I'm kind of with you. Like until we see a larger sample of him being solid again, I won't believe it. And even you know even now, like it's just, it's just his stuff. It's it's more of a stuff concern. So I uh, yeah, I tend to lean with you there. I'm not sure the Braves feel the same way. I think, yeah. uh, I've always thought they're going to default to Julio because he has the experience and he's been around forever. Even with yeah, I definitely that, don't. I don't think it's the most likely outcome that he's not in the playoff rotation. Yeah, I mean, I think he'd have to pitch himself out of it. I mean, you could argue against this point being correct, but. I think, you know, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt longer than anybody else would. Um, and that's, I guess, justified in some ways. He's been good for a long time, um, so we'll see. But, uh, yep. yeah, especially if he's going to pitch if he's gonna pitch the way he has the last two games, which results why he's not going to go anywhere, I think you would probably need a, a three or four start sample over him, of him kind of blowing up for them to pull him out of rotation. And uh, he, just, he just put, I guess, like put two in the bank of solid starts, which kind of hurts that case a little bit. I don't I, like I said I, I won't be like super outraged by it because there's oh, arguments no, yeah. for it there's 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 arguments to have him in the in the playoff rotation but like you know it's just in kind of my ideal world I just feel like that that the the, the playoff rotation would probably be better served with going with some other guys but at the same time oh, yeah. like it, it, you know who know who knows like Julio is perfectly capable where like you can't hit him um, it's just not nearly as often as I would like yeah so. he's looked he's looked better so we should at least acknowledge that but I'm. I'm kind of with you in general. Um, okay, let's talk about the uh, really the headliner of the week, other than I guess before the four game collapse was uh, certainly the Ronald Acuna madness um, midweek. Uh, the Jose Urena show when he was plunked with the first pitch after uh, his home run streak came together. I know we're talking about this with the benefit of a few days of hindsight here, but what was your first reaction when that was? Uh, were you among the crowd that was like out for blood? I think most most Braves fans were ready to fight anyone in their anyone in their path uh, that evening. Uh, for of, of course, Ronald is now okay. He actually ended up playing the next day, which was uh, pretty shocking to me. At least that they wouldn't at least give him a day, but he looks fine, which is nice. But uh, you know, we'll talk about every layer of this. But what was your first reaction when that all kind of went down there? I was very upset. Uh, <laughs> if for if, like. I mean, you, only a cursory look at my timeline you could you could say you could see that yeah but, I, I i knew that but i figured, I figured yeah I yeah I, I was anyway. i was it was so clearly intentional is my thing like he was aiming square for ronald with the hardest thing he's ever thrown <laughs> as a first pitch and one of his fastest pitches he's thrown this year and aimed square for him only because ronald acuna has been torching them and really everybody um and that guy, and Jose Urania has a history, right? Like he has a history of like he started brawls in the minor leagues. He's hit star players before. He, he feels like it's like this. His role is like you know, like well, I'll teach this guy a lesson. And I'll hit him, uh, and then that way they won't, you know, they won't, they'll they'll know who's boss or whatever. And it really drives me crazy because it's kind of one of those. Even if that like, because uh, some people were speculating that you know because Ronald like gave a small bat flip that that was like retaliation for that or something on a previous home run, like. Even if that was the reason that, you know, like, well, they didn't like him, you know, showing any emotion after hitting a home run or whatever. These unwritten rules in baseball, this 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 nonsense, one is going to end up costing people, like, 
serious amounts of playing time, could cost them seasons, could threaten their careers. Because, I mean, like, you know, you've, you've, we've seen guys get hit in the head or get hit in, like, getting hit in the hand and miss extended time because they haven't had surgery and stuff. And it, just because they don't like someone showing them up. And that drives me crazy. Like, at the end of the day, if you feel that strongly about it, you need to figure out how to get the guy out. Not you need to figure out how to not give them a chance to show show you up not to not to like you know like we'll take matters in your own hands and throw 90 95 plus miles an hour at a guy because the batter doesn't have the ability to do that to you you know what i mean yeah you're the opposing pitcher could the opposing pitcher can like retaliate for that but that, is that really what we want to be as a baseball like as baseball fans and as like a sport is that well how we're going to solve this is just we're going to chuck pitches at each other because the other guy you know was excited that he did something awesome and that the whole thing made me really just really made me upset, and the the suspension was a joke, and it just I, I just I don't think that it was handled particularly well by the Marlins or by Major League Baseball. It was I'm still kind of I'm still pretty irritated about it, but I'm much happier that you know Acuna is fine. Yeah, it's one of those situations where it's frustrating because I am very confident that if if Acuna had been injured, the suspension would have been longer, and that's silly to me. Um, yeah. I think uh, that's just a bad way of thinking about it. I, I sort of see both sides on the suspension. It's clearly a little bit light, but the people that wanted to suspend it for like 50 games, like that was never going to happen. Um, and, you know, arguments on both sides there. I know he, he basically only misses one start, um, and that makes it kind of brutal. At the same time, you know, people have to remember that, you know, he, he does get docked the same pay. He gets six games uh, docked, so it's not like that. I know it was too light. I, I would have probably gone somewhere in the, I don't know, 15, 20 game range. Um, I, I was but, on you know, 20, but yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, people are, I mean, I. The people that were rational about it kind of understood that. I understand wanting to be wanting it, wanting to send a message and all that stuff. And I agree, it's it's something that you just can't excuse. Like especially you factor in the fact that you know, as you mentioned, he threw the hardest pitch of the season, all that all that fun stuff. Like it's um, clearly intentional. It was not great at all for Major League Baseball. The takes before, during, and after were all bad. Um, well, not all bad, but mo- most so, bad. Well, well uh, there, there are some personal favorites. The Keith Hernandez thing was hilarious to me. Yeah. One, that anyone would listen to that man about anything result- resulting in baseball. I understand he was a good player at one point in time, but Keith has his own demons, and and acting he like he's going to be some sort of arbiter of how baseball should be played is kind of crazy to me. I mean, he got absolutely killed on the internet, which was yep. which was rightful. I mean, you, you, I'm sure you found a few people that were on his side. I know I did. Um, uh, there was a, there was the a couple Mets part, fans. For the, yeah, for the most part, he got decried nationally, so I was not very surprised by that. Um, but yeah, the takes were uh, the, the takes were certainly out um, in rare form on all sides. So I kind of enjoyed the uh, the take fire. Um, that was I was not not not, a, not a, a, a an opinion that I agreed with, obviously, but just you, you kind of just knew. Like I was sitting back, kind of trying to be calm about it. Like, all right, who's gonna be the first one to defend Jose Arena? And it was, oh, Keith Hernandez. There it is. <laughs> so I, I want to say something nice about Snicker. In all this, yeah, let's do that now because I love that too. Let's talk about that. First of all, if anyone was mad, if anyone out there is, was madder about that whole situation than Brian Snicker, I will be surprised because the immediately aftermath, he was out for blood. Yeah, on my that man, field. my man blew up, and I, I mean, everybody enjoyed, even people that don't like him very much as a manager, uh, really were starting to have his back, and it was easy to see why he was uh, livid from moment one, and really, you know, proved his point. I will say, which is something you want to see. I mean. All, all the stuff about him being a, a, good, a good clubhouse manager and having his players back, you kind of you kind of saw it all uh, happen in one degree there. I mean, for sure. And the the after the game, the interview that he gave, it was perfect. I had I had I had no doubt. After, like you, you you kind of knew intuitively, like, look, these players really love him. We ha- we personally have our issues with his tactical decisions, but it's kind of hard to deny that, like, to a man, everyone in that clubhouse seems to really like him, right? Yeah. Uh, 
after in that post game interview, I was ready to run through a wall for him because <laughs> yep. he, he was he was like that's my kid, you know, and like and like just it sound it it wasn't just manager speak, it wasn't just like speaking in the moment in terms of competition and things like that. Like he clearly was personally upset and was like it was his personal mission on that night to make sure that one it never happened again and to everyone who could be within earshot of him understood his displeasure. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I get, I get it. Now, is that a measurable thing? No, but at the same time, it's a real thing for sure. And you know, I, I was, you know, sometimes we we criticize, you know, Freddie Gonzalez when things would happen. He was just kind of, you know, would just kind of stand around and you know, kind of like be this emotionalist thing. Uh, and you know, and Snicker, we've we has been criticized for you know maybe his tactical decisions, but the, there's there's a reason why. Like there, there are there are definitive positives to him being at the helm, and that was one of them. And I was, I was both, I was heartened to see it, and it made me, it made me happy that in that situation he was there because it, I think it ended, it ended up getting Narinia thrown out of the game. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, I mean, Snit losing his mind certainly helped in that way because I mean, people I think I've already forgotten that originally Arena had not been tossed. It nope. took a while for that to happen. So, um, you know, it also I took mean, a I while said, to get Snit off the field. <laughs> yeah, I said the same thing. I mean, it's hard. It's impossible not to like Brian Snicker after that. Um, just kind of, we were all Ryan Snicker in that moment at this at that at that point in time. Uh, I think some of the takes went a little bit far. Like there were a few that were out there that were basically like, you know, that's the reason he has to be the manager, and that's the reason this team is good, and that kind of stuff. I'm like, all right, let's let's slow down on all that. But at the same time, he did what you would want him to do in that spot. And yep. again, I, I mean, I know you and I have said this like ad nauseum. It, the, the stuff behind the scenes does matter. The clubhouse stuff does matter. Absolutely, the relational stuff does, does matter, and that's another instance of that. That's more public facing than, than normal because normally that stuff is not seen. Like you know, we all we all kind of knew the players like him. You know, Freddie Freeman's been very very vocal, and he's the, he's the team leader. All that fun stuff. Marquez the same thing, but um, that's, that's that's the rare spot where you can actually see a manager. Uh, I guess quote earning that in public. That's kind of it's probably the wrong way to put that, but it's like a very easy way to see why everyone loves Brian Sticker. So that that was fun, and uh, he definitely uh, you know I guess um, deserved all of the uh, positivity that was around him that day because uh, you know he was uh, he did he did the thing that you always want to see your manager do in that spot. And then I I, I totally agree. The post game interview was almost better. I mean, him losing his mind was justified, but the way he handled it post game, you know, with three hours of hindsight he even said you know i've had three and a half hours to uh i think it was like i've had three and a half hours to calm down and i haven't calmed down yet something like that so uh he was definitely livid and uh, we, we could all see why and I, and I was happy the braves didn't retaliate because I, a couple yeah, a couple of the players uh, a couple of players hinted on this like we're in the middle of a playoff chase and you know that guy was team, acting this team sucks and we should we, go go win the game they did that's what happened yep and if they retaliate you know what would happen is that the starter that retaliated would get as long of a suspension if not longer than the guy, than the guy who went headhunting, you know. Yeah, and they can't, they can't afford that, and they also did the right things. I mean, players and Snicker, everybody kind of said like they were asked about it after the game, and everyone was in line, like you know, we're not going to do that because why would you? And that's a great point. I mean, I'm anti-retaliation anyway. I think it's stupid to throw baseballs at people at, at, in 2018. It could be uh, that's not the right way to handle things. But especially even if you even if you are pro-retaliation. I think you can definitely see right now, and uh, that it's a bad idea in the middle of a, play, of a pennant race against a team that's not a pennant race. Like you have a lot more to lose than they do. Agreed. Now that said, 
early season Marlins series next year, <laughs> I feel very confident that he's going to get that 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 you might get one, gonna get one in the yeah, ribs. Could, yeah, he's going to get happen. one in the ribs. I mean, I I I'm against that. I will be on record in saying that, but it would not be a, sure. it would not be a big surprise if that happened. Let's just say. I, I, I agree, but I, I, again, I'm not going to be surprised if that happens. I don't think they're going to forget this one. No, definitely not. Um, let's talk about Acuna being out of his mind. Aside from that, Ooh. obviously, that was the biggest story. But uh, since he came back from injury, he has a, at least coming into today, where he didn't have a great game, but a uh, a 1,047 OPS in 42 games since, since, since coming back from injury coming into today. Is that good? Been, uh, outrageous. Yeah, I mean the the home run streak was really fun, especially when he like led when he led off three straight games with home I runs. I mean, every day. I mean, the third one is like, are we kidding me right now? Like we're doing this again? <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he he's ridiculous. I've I've been saying he's been ridiculous for years now, and you know, he he goes on these stretches. I mean, he'll he'll always be a productive player because he just has so many tools. Even if like he's not you know launching home runs at a prodigious rate like you know he'll get his singles and then he'll make things happen with his legs and you know he'll always i always feel like he'll be a productive player but well, when he game, goes on the, the game he came back after the injury he singled open the game and stole second base immediately and scored it was like oh there's another thing you can do <laughs> yeah he yeah he's he's just you know he, he'll, he'll have like you know these one for three games with two walks out of the playoffs the leadoff spot and people are actually disappointed with that and i'm just like <laughs> you 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 have weird expectations so for a guy who just reached base three times out of the leadoff spot uh and then he'll have those games where you know he like goes three for three you know a, two singles a double and you know drives in a couple runs gets a walk steals a base and you're just like there's nothing on this the field that this kid can't do uh will he do it every time no and there's certainly gonna be at bats where it's gonna be frustrating because you'll see a sequence or a pitch or you know he'll get fooled and you're like god why is he why is he striking out on that but He's getting better and better every time he gets on the field. And considering the fact that I don't, the the number of players that are in the same tier of sim over the last month or so uh, is a very short list. Uh, that's that's obviously a very good place to be. And you know he's incredibly fun to watch. I, I, I we could rant about him for hours, but I mean like you know being able to take that pitch, all that attention that was on him through that whole that whole debacle debacle, and he was still you know he came right back and was producing right away. You know he's. There's a lot to like about him, and he's going to be good for a long time. Yeah, I mean, coming into today, um, of players with more than 300 plate appearances, he's not quite qualified for the batting title because of the fact that he had that injury um, stretch. But 300 or more plate appearances this year, he came into the day uh, tied um, for fifth with Freddie Freeman in WRC Plus in the National League. Uh, he's 20 years old. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty outrageous. Yeah, uh, Juan Soto, by the way, is up there too. Juan Soto has been incredible too. There's been this like weird back and forth between Juan Soto fans and Ronald Acuna fans, and uh, I'm just I'm just over in the corner like Juan Soto is awesome, and so is Ronald Acuna. So let's just yeah. It, as as long as the Rookie of the Year is one of those two guys, I am and it fine. will and it will be. So no big deal. Now you now you say that Harrison Bader because of no. defensive stuff. He Stop. because he I, look. I'm not saying that I, I agree know, with it at all. It's not but. happening. <laughs> that there's gonna be some mad folks where like you know he gets get some top two votes or something just because of, I mean you know. I could see that happening um, I could see it I mean somebody will somebody will vote him up there but uh, unless something c- gets very weird um, Acuna and Soto are finishing one and two in the rookie year which is fine and it, I don't yeah. really care about that that much it's one of the things it's just an example like he entered the day with the same WRC plus as, as Freddie Freeman and Freddie Freeman is an MVP candidate this year oh absolutely. So, like, that tells you everything you need to know about about the way that um, Ronnie is playing. Um, and by the way, we should talk about Freddie real fast because I didn't, I didn't plan to do this. I'm looking at the numbers now. He entered today um, in a tie with Nolan Arenado, who we just, of course, saw for four games, um, for the NL lead in Fangraph's war 
at five, uh, and Freddie had two hits, including a double today. So uh, actually went up a little bit. I think he, for me at this very moment, might be the MVP in the National League. I think you know two months ago or so we talked about this on the pod and basically said uh, he, I, I, at least I said he's the MVP of the league at, at this moment. And then he slowed down a little bit, and people you know Matt Carpenter got scalding hot. No, no one ever know though. Same same sort of thing. There was a little bit of a Javi Baez renaissance there for a minute. I think Freddie for me is number one. It's very very close, but the fact that you have a Rookie of the Year candidate, you have a MVP candidate, and uh, you know for better or worse, Brian Snicker might win Manager of the Year. There's a lot going on here with this Braves team and the awards. Yeah, stuff. And, I don't really and, care about very much, but it's uh, it's still fun to kind of monitor. And I'm fairly confident that Nick Markakis is going to get some MVP votes. I'm not saying it's going to be anything like particularly high, but yeah, he's gonna honestly, get some. that actually might hurt Freddie weirdly. I think it's yeah. that'd be very stupid in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, I think you might have some people that vote for Markakis and not Freeman, or t- or kind of knock them both down because they have each other kind of thing, which yeah. is unfortunate for Freddie because I think MVP in baseball um, is very I don't know. It's kind of it's it's it's, it's always been diff- difficult to kind of uh, discern because it's. It's a very individual sport, um, yeah. but at, at the same time, you always had that kind of narrative where Marquecas has had some nice moments, of course, and he's been really, really good all season long, and you might have some split stuff there, which is unfortunate because Freddie, you know, for all of Marquecas' brilliance this year, Freddie's still been better at everything. So, like, it's just kind of been quieter, though. Like, I think without Marquecas, and this is obviously the Braves would be happy to have this from Marquecas, but if Marquecas was just having like a regular season, uh, Freddie would probably get a lot more shine than he's actually gotten. Uh, a lot of that extra sort of narrative national stuff has gone to Marquecas, which is just fine because he's, again, been incredible, and he's is his great story, first-time All-Star, but Freddie's just been Freddie the entire time, top-five player in the National League the entire way, basically. So uh, I think you're right, though. Now that, now, now that you mentioned it, you might have some split stuff that might hurt Freddie there. And I, I ultimately it comes down to how this last month closes because if Kuna keeps hitting, I mean, like he did, obviously he's not going to keep up what he was doing for like a week there, where he like literally he couldn't well, get him yeah, out. Yeah, like a twenty five hundred OPS or something crazy for a week. Yeah, it was something. Sense. But at the, if if they close, if he closes well and the Braves win the division, he's going to win the Rookie of the Year. That's what's going to happen. I agree. And if if for no other reason that there are voters, and the same thing goes for Freddie and the MVP. If the Braves win the division and Freddie is a part of that, like he's like you know still hitting again, doesn't have to go on a crazy hot streak. Just has to keep being Freddie. Like, I think if he leads, if he leads the league in WAR, which right now he's doing, and the Braves win the division, he's going to win the MVP. I agree. I'm pretty confident about that. Um, and, so, and, and I feel the same way about Acuna. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you 100. Those both those guys are in great shape, and you know it's all secondary to the team stuff. But you know, as people that enjoy their work, it's uh, fun to see them uh, recognized because you know I think you would. I'm sure you could have gotten some great Ronald Acuna Rookie of the Year odds like a month ago. Because Juan Soto was going out of his mind and Ronnie oh, yeah. just missed a month and all that fun stuff, but it was uh, it was Juan Soto all the time. And again, Juan Soto is awesome, and he's younger than Acuna, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, that's uh, he's those really good. Very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. fun to watch. No, no argument there. Um, all right, we can move on from that. Uh, a couple of uh, sort of you know news and notes kind of things before we, before we get out of here. Uh, Brandon McCarthy is going to retire apparently after 2018. He said this week, not a huge surprise there. He's a little bit on the older side, but the Braves actually had an eight million dollar club option for him next year, so he's uh, apparently just going to hang it up anyway. You know, he's had a bunch of injury stuff, but there is also some inkling that he could be back in the in not 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 not, not necessarily in the rotation, but probably in the bullpen uh, later in the year. People sort of laugh that off. I think that actually kind of matters, especially because as a long man, you probably aren't going to do much better than him, especially if he's healthy and right. That's a big uh, that's, that's a big if. But he actually could help you considerably in September if he's uh, healthy and right and ready to go. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't hate it. You know, it's kind of 
I don't know. I always hate when a guy has to retire because I mean he didn't. He wasn't really right for a, a good while before he went on the DL. I mean, and he's been he's been hurt off and on forever. Like yeah. I, I mean, before the season, when we talked about the Braves acquiring him. It was kind of always like, look, he's when he's when he's healthy, he's usually really good, and when he's not healthy, he's just not healthy. And this year, he hasn't been great by any stretch of the imagination. But like. I think if you were telling me he's healthy, he's better than a lot of your long man options. Like he's better than Colby Aller right now. He's better than sure. uh, he's better than like the that kind of template guy for sure. Like if you need to just eat some innings in September or even in the playoffs, you get an injury or somebody just is completely ineffective in a playoff series. You got Brandon McCarthy down there to throw three four innings that might help you. So, I mean, the future stuff. I, I was not he has experience expecting. in the bullpen too. That's a, yeah. That's kind of- I mean, I, I wasn't expecting the Braves to keep that club option unless he was just you know, really good down the stretch. I mean, it is pretty cheap in the grand scheme of things. Like, I thought if he was solid this year, the Braves might consider keeping him because it because it's a very short-term commitment. It's a pretty cheap option. But now that he doesn't want to pitch anymore, it's all about this year. And he, he's had a very nice career. He's always been really entertaining on Twitter. People, like, everybody likes Brandon McCarthy for the, for the most part. So one of those things where you kind of wish him the best. And I hope he can get back and at least contribute a little bit because he clearly wants to get back and do a little bit. I mean, nice to send him out on a nice little run here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you know, really good guy. When he's right, he's he's really good. I mean, we've seen good starts out of him. You know what I mean? And you know, if he if he comes in and you know, I'm not sure how much his stuff at this point in his career plays up in a bullpen role. But but at the same time, he's a smart pitcher, and maybe he can you know sustain what stuff he does have uh, through a relief appearance better rather than you having to go multiple times through an order. So I mean, I I certainly don't hate the idea of him in the bullpen, and like it seems pretty clear from like every bit of reporting, he's not coming back into the rotation. And I mean, something pretty wild. Would yeah, to it would have to be a couple a couple more injuries. Um, would, and and we obviously don't want to see that happen. So yeah, I mean, McCarthy through he's already thrown more than twelve hundred innings in his career, um, more than sixteen wins above replacement according to Fangraphs. Like a really nice career for him. He's pitching he's pitching the big leagues for a long time. You know, a career four point two ERA isn't like anything crazy to look at, but. You know, he's been a solid major league starter for more than a decade, and that's that's a nice career. So, shouts to him. Hopefully, you know, if nothing else, get back in September, contribute a little bit, and then we'll make some decisions on the postseason roster if that comes to that. I still think at this point in time, you and I, at least I am, I'm, I guess I'll ask you now, playoffs, yes or no at this point? I'm going to say yes, um, only because... I think they're going to win the division, but even beyond that, if they don't win the division, they can bake in a little bit of wild card juice as well. So I will lean. I'll, I'll still lean yes, which means we can still talk about this um, as a positive hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, I mean for sure. Uh, and it's <laughs> I don't know. It's thinking about the bullpen kind of for this postseason is going to be interesting because you you have Tuki as an option. Well, let's talk about that now because people keep asking me about that. That's actually a question we got. I'm looking for it now. Where is it? Oh, Ryan Hutchins asked that question this week about what the, what the bullpen, should, like, I guess, should look like if everybody's healthy and available in the postseason. And um, there's a few locks, but everybody else is kind of fluid, man, and it's kind of hard to figure that out, honestly. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the names that we are kind of grown accustomed to, I'm pretty sure this guy... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Vizca- I think Vizcaino is going to be back in there, obviously. Uh, Sam if, Freeman, if, yay. If Vizcaino um, is healthy, he's a lock. Mentor is a lock. Winkler is a lock if he's healthy. Um, yeah. That's... Shane, uh, I, I'm pretty sure they'll have Shane Carl in there, but... Well, I don't, the thing is, there's some guy. I mean, I, I know you mentioned Sam Freeman. Like, I'm not sure I would give like full-blown lock status to anybody else that we haven't mentioned. Like, I, I really think there are guys who I think will be there. Like Sam Freeman, if he's healthy, uh, Jesse Biddle, if he's healthy, those guys I think are going to be there. At the same time, I would not tell you 
I have 100% confidence in anybody being there outside of healthy mentor, healthy this guy, you know, healthy. Work I guess where, that's fair. The, 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 the next month is basically going to be a tryout. Well, and you have all these young guys. Like, I'm not saying they're going to ha- suddenly have a, a bunch of 22 year olds in the, bull- in, the bull- in the bullpen in the playoffs, but because you have all these available arms, like, what, like, is there a case against Max Fried being in the bullpen in the, in the playoffs? I think I, I, have to, I would have him in the bullpen in the playoffs. Like, uh, I, Max I have Fried's no filthy. And I'm actually going to go one step further. A little bit of a, I'm going to go, I'm going to go deep on this prediction. Okay, I do not think it would be crazy that in the near future, Bryce Wilson gets added to the 40 man roster and that he ends up making it, making it, making it. I mean, that's that's it, what I'm saying. Like you have you have all these available no. guys who it, it would not be. Cra- I'm not, again, they're not going to roll out four or five of these guys together. But would it, would it surprise you if there were two or three of these under twenty three guys in the bullpen? It wouldn't surprise me at all. Like they have the no. best arms, especially if they're going to play up in the bullpen. Like that, that's pretty terrifying. Could you imagine? I mean, we already talked about Tukey in the bullpen. Can you imagine some of these guys in the bullpen? Like they're going they're going to be better than Shane Carl, and they're going to be better than I mean, it, pick, uh, pick on paper, guy, yes. Luke Jackson. Like you know, they're better than those guys. Well, yes. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. Now, at the same time, like, well, sometimes Luke Jackson, like, you know, he'll make these pitches. Like, why didn't you do that two pitches ago? Oh, yeah, he had a great one uh, over yeah. the weekend. When I couldn't believe he was in the game. I was like, really, Luke Jackson here? And then he had this filthy strikeout of, of Arenado. I was like, okay, that's why he's in the game, apparently. Yeah, I mean, he had to work a 3-2 count, and you're like, oh, come on. Yeah, he looked really <laughs> bad, and he threw this disgusting uh, put-away put pitch. But, yeah, no, I, you, know, you know my point. It's like, it's a situation where... You have to tell me, you know, it's flags fly forever. Like, if you get in the playoffs, especially if you're in a non wildcard game situation, like, you got to have some guys there that are kind of scary in the bullpen. Like, I don't want to see Sam Freeman in the bullpen if I have to help it in the playoffs. Like, it might, it might be there, but like, I'm trying to think of like the most are... boring name possible. Peter Moylan, like, name, name a guy that you don't want to see in the playoffs that might be there. And like, I, I mean, mean, Moylan, give me a young guy. Yeah. Yeah, well, th- there's experience is a real thing, and I'm not saying that it that is. means that Moy- Moylan should be a lock. It does mean though that even though we really like Tukey, we really like, you know, I really like Bryce Wilson. You know, I, I still have faith in Colby Allard. And I still, you know, like, but he just that, may need that's more a guy. Time. That's a guy who will not be in the playoff bullpen. Oh no, hundred percent no, he no. won't be. Um, we'll talk about him in a second. We'll, we'll come back to him, but keep going. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, no, he will not be. But uh, I mean, I would be shocked if he was. Let me put it that way. Um, but you know, it's. You know, you know Bryce, Tukey, Freed, all these guys. But you know, having your bullpen full of guys who have like fifteen innings of service time—that's what I'm saying. Uh, That's not going to happen. It's not going to yeah, happen. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 tricky. Uh, now at the same time, I'm with you in that you know there's not upside with some players in that bullpen. The best case scenario for Peter Moylan or and you know you know Sam Freeman is that the runners that they do let on don't score. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, they're, oh, they're, by the way, not, I guess I, I left the guy off. I just realized that I left off Brad Brock, who's a, who's a lock to be there. If yeah, Brad Brock's healthy, he'll, he'll, he'll be, be there. there. Sorry, my apologies. And, on that. and he's largely been pretty good. I mean, he the, the last couple of appearances have been a little rocky, but you know, for the most part, he he's been but as advertised. He gets a bunch here's of a uh, here's a hypothetical for you. Like, I would much rather see Chad Chad Sabaka than Peter Moylan on a postseason roster. Like. Uh, just stuff I would, wise, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it's just, I don't know. It's tough for me to like look having at that, a guy who can that. Ha- having it like, especially if like you're in a spot in the lineup where like you like you don't have guys who can like sit on a fastball. Like a guy who can throw ninety eight to a hundred. That's yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> so uh, that's what I mean when I say like there are guys who I expect to be there, 
if they are alive and relatively effective in September. And I think, you know, a few of those guys we talked about are on that list. You know, Johnny Ventures is on that list. Like, he, if, he, if he's effective and healthy, he's going to be on the roster. I'm pretty sure about that. But, you know, your Jesse Biddles, your Sam Freemans, your Luke Jacksons, your Peter Moylans, those guys, you know, if they're okay down the stretch, then sure, they'll be there. But if not, there are some of the – my overarching point is that there are some of these younger arms that – won't have room in the rotation that might have already been up at some point at some point in time and you might stick one or two of those guys in the bullpen as X factors. And that's kind of the way you look around baseball. Like you mentioned Lance McCullers earlier. He wasn't in Houston's playoff rotation. That guy was like a legit big time prospect that had been in the rotation all year long. They had no room for him. It's like, what are you gonna do with him? Put him in the bullpen. <laughs> you know, like that's the kind of guy who like Tuki could be that. Um, you know, Allard's not gonna be that, but Tuki or even Max Fried. I I'll come back to Max Fried, which which is my original point. I think Max Reed's like relatively terrifying in the bullpen. Like yeah. he might be really, really nasty in a small setting like that when he's just kind of like letting it fly. His stuff is really good, and he's left-handed. Like it's that's an X factor. And, and he doesn't have to worry about the like like if he has blister issues that that doesn't that's play up. Mitigated. It's not nearly. Right. That's not that's not big as big a deal because you know it's not repeated as much and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm with you. Right. So it, that's just, that's it, just it'll be fa- it's going to be fascinating to see how they when that I mean hopefully we get to have that conversation. Let me put it that way because <laughs> we're yeah. Not, we're not so the, I mean yet. the overarching thing for me aside from just keeping the eye, keeping an eye on the young guys is that you have the locks. Um, I, I guess we'll just say them again here: Mentor Viscaino if he's healthy, Brad Brock, um, Dan Winkler, and then I would think Venters is a lock if he's healthy. That's a big if. If he's the health is a thing with Johnny, but. Um, Everybody loves him, and he's been good. So he's been really good, yeah. Uh, so yeah, those guys I think are pretty much locks, and everybody else, um, we'll see what happens there. Um, okay, let's move on to one more, one or two more things. Oh, we mentioned Colby Hour. Let's come back there. We got a question from at uh, C Trim Forty Nine um, on Twitter this week, and he basically says, "What are the what are the pros and cons of bringing up Colby Allard this year, given the results? Now that he's been up, um, has not looked great, obviously, but there's been a. I guess my big picture question for you is kind of like, what do you make of all this? Because a, you're a prospect guy. You've been following him for a long time. B, he's really young. And C, his stuff does just not look very good. So, like, what do you make of this? Are you just, like – I think there's, like, a movement now. It's, like, kind of, like, write him off entirely, which I am not ready to do. But where where are you at with Colby Allard at the moment? I mean, I, I have seen Colby pitch a lot, and including this year at AAA. And the results in the ma- in the majors in terms of what his stuff looked like has not matched up very well with what I've seen out of him in Gwinnett. Uh, and it's mostly the secondaries, which is, I mean, the fastball we've kind of known was like the velocity has backed off, but he was he has a legitimately a really good changeup and a really good breaking ball uh, when he's right. But th- those haven't looked very good. And when that happens, if you have if you have a low 90s fastball and you know basically you know only serviceable secondaries, that's that's never going to end well for you as a pitcher. And but at the same time, you know, I think that means that he's just not ready, and you know he needs to you know. Take this year. I think he just needs to finish the year in AAA now, and kind of get into the off season. Maybe get you know get some strength. Work on work on getting some more bite on his breaking ball because he he needs something like that that can dive out of the zone to kind of keep guys off balance so they're just not sitting on something that's going to be in the zone because he gets hit hard when he does that when it happens. So um, long term, I mean, is his ceiling maybe a fourth or a fifth start, starter? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't know necessarily. I'm particularly bullish on yeah. him being a, a number three anymore. But unless, at the same unless time, he re, unless he somehow finds his uh, high school pre back injury uh, velocity, it's tough to see much more than a supporting starter. 
Yeah, but like a number. We'll I mean, see. now is that is that a terrible outcome for a prospect? Not really. No, I mean we no, we, we see guys that. who we see we see we see guys who literally are like top ten prospects and they can't stick in the majors because they're that bad. Which might uh, he, happen to Coley Allard. Like that, that's a, that's a reasonable scenario, but also it's way too early to write off a guy who's twenty one years. He just turned twenty one this week. Like yeah, I mean people get, are getting, I think already like all right, scratch him off the getting list. Getting to triple. Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, getting to triple A that young is no easy task. He he has pitched very well to get there. He's just not ready for the majors yet. And that's okay. That's totally, you want you want to know why because that entire Gwinnett rotation is really good and he doesn't have to be. You know what I mean? He no, doesn't have I mean, to be. He doesn't he, he he can go back and he can just get he can he can be what he's going to end up going to be. You know, and that means it's if that tougher, means he's a I think it's tougher for him too because he's he's now being compared to Tukey and he's being compared to Kyle Wright and guys like just have way better arms than he does. Um and he's not a guy who as we briefly mentioned before, like he is not the profile of a guy who you're going to throw in the bullpen and have his stuff play up. Like he doesn't have that. That's not what he's ever going to be. So, like on a playoff team this year, any more innings allotted to Colby Howard is a mistake. Frankly, like he's not going to be better than the other options. Like there was a debate this week about who's better right now, Sam Freeman or Colby Howard, and it's like Sam Freeman's better, not close. Like for a bullpen role. Like Sam Freeman's a better pitcher than Colby Allard at this moment. Like, and and that's all that to say. Like nobody nobody's in love with Sam Freeman, but if you're telling me I have to get an out right now in the major leagues in the seventh inning, I'm going to take Sam Freeman t- ten out of ten against Colby Allard. It's not a shot at Colby Allard. He's tw- he just turned 21 years old and he's been really bad in the majors. That's that's kind of all that is. And again, like it's just tough. Like if, if this is a situation, this is two years ago, and the Braves were like you know 20 games out. Sure, like give me some more Colby Allard starts, but right now, yeah, give, they, yeah, give give him some reps up there. But yeah, they can't afford. Now it. he needs. Can't. Now he just needs to be in Gwinnett, and you know, work at work things out. Maybe, I mean, the guy might just end up just being gassed. You know, it just that's something that sure. happens. And if that's the case, then you know, give him an off season. He'll come back, and if he's pitching really well, then you know, try again and see how things look then. I mean, because right now the, the the Colby that I've been seeing is not the same Colby that like is enough to make you think he can stick in the majors as a starter. And he's not going to be a front. He's not he, frontline starter is not going to happen with him. But, you know, he could I still think that he there's a there's a chance for him to be in a major league rotation and that if that means he needs to wait a little while and get ready, that's fine. And I'm glad you said that because I think I mean, I'm I'm guilty of this too. I've not seen him near as much as you have, so I, that's why I wanted to kind of default to you on that because I think, you know, rightfully so, if you're a Braves fan that hasn't watched minor league baseball and you just saw Colby Allard, he did not look good at any point in those uh, in those outings. So you might just be like, who is this guy? Get him off my television screen. But you, you've seen him a lot, and I think I trust your opinion when it's like, this is not the same guy that we saw even in Gwinnett, you know, a month ago. So no. um, just follow that away for the future. I think we'll talk more about Colby. I'd be surprised if we spend more, much more time on him in, until November, no, November or December, but at some point we'll talk about him again. Um, all right, one more thing before I let you get out of here. Um, got a question from Chris Klein on Twitter this week, uh, and he says, going into the final two series with the Phillies, where do the Braves need to be in the standings to feel comfortable about having a good chance to win the division? And I'll add I'll add this, um, seven out of the last ten games of the season are against Philly, which I hadn't really Ooh. fully comprehended until this week. No, I hadn't, um, I hadn't, I hadn't until you just said it. There are four at home. Um, then they go um, on the road for uh, the last six games in the last six games of the year, which includes the last weekend of the season. Is three on the road in Philadelphia. So yeah, seven of the last ten, four at home, three on the road. That's a uh, you know very very interesting. I think it's obviously going to come down to head to head matchups. But I mean, the, the question is how comfortable would you need to be? Um, the Braves have to be three or four up for me to be any level any level of comfortable. I will say, and even then. I've just seen too much. I have too much Atlanta um, 
drama disaster in my head. Uh, they'd have to be really, really far ahead for me to actually be comfortable. You know, coming, coming. I mean, we have seven of the last ten. You can go, if you go one and six, like <laughs> it's a situation that could happen. It's a, it's baseball, man. Like it's a small sample kind of thing. Um, comfort level doesn't really exist. I can't imagine a scenario, honestly, between now and then. You're talking about a month. I mean, maybe Philly just dies, but I think it's going to be uncomfortable there, regardless. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, it had to be a three game lead. I think for me, at uh, least. Uh, yeah, the th- three game, and I would feel good. Uh, I mean, but, but th- uh, three but, game, but, you got to go two and with, five or better. Uh, I don't and, know, and, that, and, and that's with me knowing that that means I can have my heart broken, right? Like, sure. Now, uh, things to note, though, the Braves have played the Phillies very well this year. Obviously, they haven't played them in a while, but, you know, the Braves have played against that team pretty well. And Oh, uh, I, one quick I, thing, I, sorry that I forgot to say. The, in, in between, it's uh, a series is going to be at the Mets for three. And that that's obviously a favorable matchup, but it's on the road and it's the Mets. Uh, they, they'll be trying to beat the Braves. They don't like the Braves. No, uh, they, they, they'll, they'll certainly be trying, but at the same time, you know, what they're working with up there at this point is kind of, I don't know. I'm obviously that this is going to get played back at some point by somebody. If like, you know, the bridge gets swept by the Mets or something, but, um, which could happen. I, that, that, that's baseball. No, it's three games. You know what I mean? No, like, we all know that it's, it is hard to be comfortable in this. It's just not going to be a comfortable thing. This division race, just because one, these, these are both teams that are, are good teams and, you know, that they're like a bitter rival to, and if, if one thing goes wrong, it feels like a lot of things could go wrong. I, and have, I think I have my answer. I think for me to actually be comfortable, they'd have to be six up with 10 to go, maybe seven. And I, I know that's probably irrational because of, again, I'm, I'm an Atlanta sports fan. Um, but for me to actually be like, all right, here we go, playoff time, it had to be at least six, I think. And that's insane. It should be it should be smaller than that with all rational behavior because, you know, Philly's got to play somebody else too. In fact, I'm looking that up right now to see who, who Philly has to play in between because um, that matters as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, nothing is comfortable about that. It's just baseball is the least comfortable sport too. Like for me, as a at least as a, if, I, if I put my fan hat on, Nothing about baseball games that matter a ton at the end of the season are going to ever be comfortable. Nope. Oh, by the way, uh, this is not great. Uh, Philly, I guess it probably is great, actually. Philly has to go to Colorado for four in between. Yeah, that's not a fun place to play. That's not where they want to and go. That, and, and, that is another, and that is another team that's going to be in a division rate down, down oh, to the be, wire. Yeah, they'll be trying. That place will be rocking in Denver. I'm actually that makes me a little bit more optimistic. Maybe I drop it to five now instead of six <laughs> because they got to go to Colorado for four. But you know the overarching point remains: comfort. Comfort is out the window in late September. I'll say that. Yep, it's not. It's not about comfort, and more importantly, I'm just happy that like at the end of September, I find it hard to believe that I'm not going to be caring about the outcome of baseball of Rays baseball games. I mean, like, uh, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, yeah, like, they're, they're, a complete meltdown in the next month for, to not be caring about that. Yeah, I mean, you're, we're, you're, we're going to be caring about. The, I mean, again, it would require a total disaster, but we're going to be caring about Braves baseball games. You know, whether that be the wild card race, whether it be the division. Like this team, this team's they're they're in the playoff hunt. Like they're they're fighting for a playoff spot. It's no longer a will they be fighting fighting for a playoff spot. They're playing really well right now. Right now, it's you know, oh, we're heading towards the end of August. They're in the lead for the division. I mean, assuming that, you know, again, the, the Mets don't find a way to mess that up. But, 
And by the way, it's it's now seven nothing in the sixth. So I feel pretty yeah. Good so so you know, hopefully you know nothing crazy happens. But I mean, the Braves are in the in the lead for the division uh, against a team that's uh, and the, uh, the Phillies are struggling right now against some bad competition. And the month of September, we're going to be looking at. It's not going to be like, well, let's see who's going to be coming up in September call ups and who you know who would be interesting to watch. It's we're we're talking about impactful moves that could you know direct the course of a playoff run for this team and that makes me really happy yeah no question about that all right one one fun question before uh, we get out of here and it comes from barry Kuntz on twitter he asks would you like to see the braves do a hard knocks type of show for spring training um so as someone who covers the nba it's been a, po- a popular topic this week because uh there was a big thing like why doesn't the nba do hard knocks and my um my response is because it wouldn't be fun um Roster spots are not really up for grabs like that. Like football, it's perfect because you have a 53-man roster. You have all these roster, like legitimate roster battles and like, you know, great stories of guys off, off the practice squad, all that stuff. In the NBA, you might have one roster battle, maybe. Like that doesn't really fit the same kind of model. Baseball's interesting. I think there's usually more spring training battles for roster spots than there are in basketball, at least. Like I think about Braves in the recent years. There's always one or two legit, like, nice stories to follow that might work there so i'm inclined to say yes but where are you at on this because i think it's interesting to at least ponder i'm, I'm not sure the Braves would even do it and i think yeah you see it, that anyway but it's uh it's a weird kind of thing like theory i think thing. i think largely i think that a majority of the people of the players and the coaches involved it'd be kind of boring because i mean we're, we're, we're yeah. kind of the guys the guys that kind of take this kind of thing now watching we watch it yeah, Ozzy. And, uh, well, I mean, obviously, I'd watch it, but, but I mean, watching <laughs> uh, watching Ozzy and Acuna doing their thing. They're they're uh, Acuna. If you haven't had fun. a chance, yes, yeah. But their pregame routines. Uh, Acuna was hysterically funny uh, in like uh, the preseason workouts for Gwinnett before he came up. He was really funny, just dancing, and he would be fun to watch. If there were to be a hard knock type show for the Braves, if it did not heavily feature Ron Washington, it would be an opportunity lost. Uh, because... Agreed, but but, <laughs> and I was gonna say this later, but now that you now you mentioned Wash. This has to be an HBO show, or I'm I'm less interested. If, if, this, if this is on basic cable, I don't want any part of it. I need I need full unedited Rod Washington. Like I, I, hard, I, need, hard I need him to be able to swear. Yeah, it, you know, and he's and you know he's been kind of a he's been a fascinating person to watch because like you know other than I don't think he's ever he knows how to throw a stop sign at third base. Yeah, he's he's uh, bad at his job, I think. <laughs> but uh, he's really entertaining. He, Everybody loves him. Like knowing, I know you got. I know you and I both know people that cover the team all the time that are around. Everyone seems to be enthralled by Ron Washington as a personality. Um, so yeah, I think I'm glad you mentioned that because him, him, Ozzy, and Ronald would be enough to watch it. Um, but I would love to see that on HBO. I'd be less intrigued if it was a Fox Sports South or an ESPN or an MLB Network production because they just couldn't show you the stuff that I want to see. If that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, I, um, I I agree. Now that now, one thing about Ron Washington, I'm not sure if he's you know good at in terms of like necessarily the base running decisions that he makes at third base. They work out, but sometimes, but at the same time, you're like, whoo, if that if that oh, throw no, was not his strength, I don't think. Um, which is funny because that's but, actually theor- theoretically his job. But, but well, he also does a lot of infield instruction and say what you want to. Yes. But infield, I mean, that's a real thing, and that and the. The, the infield defense for the Braves has been legitimately very good. So, and I think yeah. he's been a part of it. So I will, I, I did want to say that, you know, while, you know, I'm not sure if he necessarily should be the one, you know, making the decisions about, you know, when the guy should be rounding third and head for home, uh, because it's, it's sometimes it gets a little hairy. Um, at the same time, you know, the, he, he's definitely brought something to the squad and, you know, to, to the man, I've heard the same thing you have is that, you know, everyone loves him. 
everyone. Yeah, all, all things equal. I, I know you and I would be watching this regardless. Uh, that's oh, yeah. Kind of who, uh, there, there's, there's a certain diehard fan that would absolutely watch this regardless of what, of what packaging it was in, all that fun stuff. I'm not sure it would be as intriguing for a super casual non-Braves fan as a NFL version would be. Um, but I think it would do better than better than better than the NBA, which is kind of funny because I think the NBA is like the fast rising national sport right now. I think it's just a bad package for this particular thing. But for baseball, you just need to find one or two training camp battles. That's kind of what carries hard knocks. It's usually like a rookie or somebody trying to make the squad. And because you have all these guys in the minor leagues, there's the, some storylines there that would work. I think. Well, the the Braves would be an interesting case study for this too if they made a big offseason acquisition. Which they then, might they, do. They very well could. Uh, that would make things really – I mean, if they, like, sign Manny Machado or something, that all well, of a sudden this year, that show – Yeah, I mean, this year is, it's a, a lot of Baker Mayfield uh, for the Browns. They're, they're going to doing the hard knocks uh, on HBO. And I think, um, obviously, it wouldn't be like – you wouldn't have the number one draft pick like the like, like you would in uh, in the NFL. But, yeah, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, uh, whoever they want to trade for, something like that would be uh, very interesting. I will say, if you're trying to look for a downside – I love Freddie Freeman. He's a very not fun person to yeah, he's cover. Just, like he's not. He just kind of does his job. Same same with Marcakis. Like those guys are really good. And I think Freddie's shown some more personality. Like he was really good on ESPN during the home run derby. I thought on camera. Yeah, um, I agree. But that's not his usual personality. Like day to day, at least on camera in public. And I think he and I think he would hate having a camera. Yeah, he would not like that. I, I, there there are guys on his team that would not enjoy. I, I think baseball. That's the one thing about this is that's counterintuitive. Is that a lot of you know quote unquote baseball men would not like this. They would not want to be chronicled in that way. I don't think. But, you know, I would vote yes. Sign me up. So Agreed. Who knows? All right, man. Well, that's probably enough of us um, for today. We've gone longer than I thought because we always do, you and I. Yep. <laughs> uh, anything you want to get out there? I know you are uh, a man of many talents and many jobs, so please plug anything that you like, my friend. Uh, sure. I mean, uh, keep, just keep following us along. We're at, we're in the home stretch for minor league recaps, and I'm, I'm kind of coming to grips with that because the uh, minor league seasons are going to be coming to an end soon. So make sure you're reading those uh, up until that the minor league seasons end. Uh, we're going to be doing the same thing we've always been doing, you know, scouting reports on prospects, you know, updating you guys on what's going on in the farm system. Make sure you read TalkingChop.com. Uh, and if you want general base, uh, kind of more uh, trade and rumors type stuff and more league-wide focus, you can. Uh, I'm also the site manager over at MLB Daily Dish. Make sure you read those articles. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, nothing specific in the pipeline for me right now other than kind of the usual stuff. Uh, but you know, once the, once the season kind of gets down into the playoffs or I'm sure we're gonna have some fun things to talk about. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some sort of feature coming up about September call-ups and all that stuff pretty soon. Yep. It's, uh, it's coming, you know, it's, uh, we're, we're officially into late August as of now, cause it's the 20th tomorrow. So yeah, we're, we're here, man. About another six weeks, five weeks, six weeks of baseball before we get into the playoffs and we'll be here. Uh, I do think they're, uh, you know. It's tough. It's kind of interesting and weird to talk about all this stuff for the first time on the pod. Like, we're going through a playoff race for the first time. I'm trying to fill myself out and try to figure out what's going on on how to cover this stuff as we get here because um, I guess we should probably lean into more game stuff. I think this is a nice springboard today because we talked a lot about the four-game disaster. Um, as we get closer, the games matter more and more. You know, they, I guess they all matter the same in the grand scheme of things, but as you get closer, there's a lot more eyeballs on specific games in September. So it should be fun. Yep, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's, it's nice to be talking about a playoff run. No question about it. Uh, all right, man. Well, thank you so much as always, Eric. We'll do this uh, very, very soon as always. You're always a, you're always welcome on the pod. Anytime you want to come on, please do. Um, and then there'll be times that I just beg you to come on. <laughs> I'm here for you, man. 
Uh, as for everybody else, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Um, Apple Podcasts especially. We're also on SoundCloud where we're hosted. And every single podcast has a uh, dedicated post on the site at TalkingChop.com. Check that out as well. We'll see you guys next week. 